So it's another edition of Bisexual Brunch with Nikki Hodgson, Lewis Oakley and Ashley Byrne. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. So Nikki Hodgson is hot foot from her holiday in Greece, where we believe, Nikki, you were busy on the beach reading uh, lots of medieval bisexual novels because you got so inspired that Shakespeare has just been outed. <laughs> what? God, what were you reading on the beach in Greece, uh, Nikki? Well, I've got to speak. I've got to be honest. I didn't do too much reading. I did a lot more sunbathing and a lot more drinking of. Raki, which is the local spirit that they give you at every opportunity. But I did read an amazing book called How to Be Liberal by my friend Ian Dunt, which has an interesting section about John Maynard Keynes and his bisexuality. Only Ian doesn't call it that in the book. It's so frustrating. He refers to him as somebody that was gay and then became straight. So I was a little bit incensed on the beach, but only for about two minutes. Well, that's quite shocking for somebody who calls calls himself a liberal as well, isn't it, really? I think he's just followed, I think he's just done the classic thing of following the, there's so many stories that follow that trajectory of the gay to straight, but I don't know, I guess it's more alarming to people, but he definitely was bisexual, right, Keynes? I mean... Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he was, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he he was involved in all sorts of interesting things, actually, very interesting character in many ways. Lewis and I were talking about you last week, I don't know if your ears were... Oh, were you? (laughs) We were talking about your obsession with this sort of period. Medieval Britain or whatever. Yeah, I did. I am obsessed with it. It's and we're true. a bit concerned about what you're going to make us do for Halloween and things, aren't we? Aren't we, Lewis? Oh yeah, I'm waiting for the email. <laughs> it won't be an email. That's far too modern. I'll have oh, to God. send you. I mean, I'll have to send you a note by courier pigeon or something. But fabulous, fabulous. Well, I'm glad you. We're glad you're back because, of course, you had to come back this week because, of course, you 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 became the recipient of a. A special bisexual award as well, didn't you? <laughs> An absolute footnote in history. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Pink Muse named me one of Britain's most inspiring bisexuals, just above Rita Ora, which made me extremely happy. That's, that's probably as close to Rita Ora as I'm ever going to get. So yeah. And who were you behind? <laughs> who were you behind? I don't know. I didn't pay attention to that. I was too busy looking for my own name, obviously. <laughs> and, and how do you feel about this, Lewis? Do you think you should be there? I think Lewis has been robbed personally, but... I, I don't think Pink News will cover me anymore. <laughs> that's, that's a story that I, I don't know if I can tell, but never mind. You'll be ruffling feathers again. No, I, I, no. Let's focus on Nikki anyway. Congratulations, Nikki. Well done. We're so proud. Did they, did they mention the podcast? <laughs> no, they didn't. But they did mention yet again that my mum is bisexual and came out to me on the show that me and Ash made. And that you were in, Lewis, of course, the World Service documentary. Uh, so I think they have a bit of an obsession with my mum. Maybe I should get them to do a, pro- get a profile on her or something. I don't know. She loves a bit of attention, doesn't she, Ash? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe it is all about, it's all about your mum. It's all about your mum. Um, anyway, it, we're in this sort of weird period, aren't we, which is called Bisexual Awareness Month or Week. Or there's going to be a day, is it next week sometime, I think, coming up? 23rd. Um, 23rd. Um, all very exciting. Uh, something that generally in the past, I have to admit, has often passed me by, and I'm sure has passed lots of bisexuals by, not disregarding it, not not getting, you know, I don't want to diss it too much. Obviously, it's important to raise awareness and really important, but I do think we need to get our act together and do it in a better way in the future, really. A big style it needs to be. I think we need to do a lot more, don't you think, Lewis? Do you like to, what would you like to see, Ash? I don't know. I just want in, your, in your utopian dream of bi-visibility month, what would happen? Well, I suppose I'd like to see programmes on the telly, I'd like to see a film come out, I'd like something something coordinated where there's several things happening that are fairly high profile, 
It always feels as though it's too much under the radar, if you know what I mean. Got you. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I can promise you for 2021. Probably like an army of puppies dressed as bisexual unicorns or something like that. That's an achievable goal. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. Well, anyway, uh, as it is Bisexual Awareness uh, Week, Month, Day, whatever it may be, I thought we'd um, sort of um, rip up the rule book a bit this week. Usually we have a personal story in the mix and various other things. But um, I thought this week we'd talk about something that's quite controversial, something that we spend a lot of our time talking about as um, bisexual journalists and activists and uh, when we're trying to talk about what being bisexual means. We always seem to be on the defensive, don't we, when it comes to sex, when it comes to admitting that, yeah, bisexuals, they have sex, we are sexual beings. And we're often saying, yeah, you know, being bisexual doesn't mean you, you, you're promiscuous. It doesn't mean to say everyone's promiscuous. People can settle down. They, they can be monogamous, you know. Most bisexuals are monogamous, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought to myself, is it time to do away with that? Yes, obviously, a lot of people are monogamous, and there's nothing wrong with people being monogamous. But equally, is there anything wrong, really, in 2020 with people admitting that they actually enjoy sex? What do you think, Nikki? Oh, my God. I mean... I can't even begin on this one, but I have to, because it's a really important point. I just think that we put so much pressure on bisexuals to behave in a way that is not offensive to other people in society, that we've become almost censored around talking about our sexuality. And, you know, I'm somebody that's been a sex worker. When I was on holiday, I went to Nudist Beach, which was great, by the way. And uh, I made my partner come with me. Well, I didn't need to make him. He was happy to come. Um, but it, it just made me, it got me thinking that I was seeing people that I wouldn't have any clue in the real world, in the real world, in, you know, kind of like any other environment, if they were bisexual or not, because, again, everybody sort of hides away their sexuality. And I think whenever we see a celebrity story about it, it's always a, a celebrity coming out as bi, and usually often because they've been pushed to, but then there's always some discussion about who they've dated and what sexual partners they've had afterwards. So it's such a tricky one, but I I personally don't have any hang-ups about my sexuality and about like the sex aspect of my sexuality either, because I've written lots about it and you know spent many years campaigning for people to be more open. And I can't help thinking that if only people were, then the over-enthusiasm for stories about bisexual people and their sex lives would sort of disappear and then they'd just be able to talk about them and nobody would care. What do you think, Lewis? Do you think it is still important to be pointing out that, you know, people who are bisexual can be monogamous, can be in long-term relationships, etc.? Do you think it's really important for us to keep saying that and keep mentioning that? Or do you think, like Nikki says, and like I'm starting to feel, you know, we, we apologise far too much for all this? I mean, sex is great. Um, I, I think it's, I, I think the hard thing, right, is that you have bisexuals all over the place. You have bisexuals that are monogamous, you have bisexuals that are virgins, you have bisexuals that are not monogamous. Um, so trying to, trying to have that discussion is quite hard, even internally. So trying to have it sort of externally when people have got all their prejudices and, you know, the main thing is like, that I would get is so you know oh you're you're with a girl oh you not you not like does it not kill you that you you haven't had sex with a guy in like five years and all that kind of stuff um, so I think sex is just always going to be this weird thing for everyone where people just have these questions but I definitely agree that just the more we talk to it like there is nothing anyone could ask me about sex so I would be like I, I can't answer that you know I feel uncomfortable answering it it's like it's fine I, I don't mind talking about it what do you want to know. Do you think, though, it's still, in a way, a bit of a hang-up from our, you know, I'm talking about British and American people, West, you know, Western English people, as it were, people who speak English in the English-speaking world, is a bit of a hang-up still to that sort of Victorian period, because, you know, you talk to French people and Germans and others, they don't seem to have as big an issue with it in terms of, you know, you watch a TV programme uh, in Britain or America, and a lot of it, you know, is a drama or a comedy or whatever, a lot of it will be based, one of the one of the, the, the common storylines is about somebody having an affair and how shock horror, it's a dreadful thing for somebody to have an affair. And they, they never they never deal with it in the way of which, oh yeah, actually, somebody's had an affair, uh, yeah, the person didn't know about it, they've apologised, uh, the fact that the actual people in the relationship have got over it quite quickly, or they've accepted actually that we're not necessarily all um, meant to be with somebody, the same person sexually forever, and we can actually have sex with other people. You know, there's lots of different ways of dealing with these things. But but the, the general premise about affairs, generally, isn't it, is that basically 
somebody is doing wrong uh, onto somebody else. What do you think, Nikki? Well, we're in denial about our monogamous culture because we say that we're monogamous, but like, what is it? Forty percent of people cheat on their partners, so we're barely monogamous. Do you know what I mean? And I think if we could only get our heads around that, we'd start to get our heads around fluidity and the fact that some people are some people are attracted to more than one gender. And that plays a part maybe in them not feeling totally fulfilled all the time. Because I think as much as we always say, Lewis and I all often say, if somebody says to one of us, oh, aren't you unsatisfied because your partner's only one gender? Our argument will be, well, we've decided to be monogamous and there's loads of other people we could have sex with, but we've decided not to. So it doesn't make any difference whether their gender is actually irrelevant. It's the fact that we've chosen to be monogamous that matters more, if that makes sense. But on the same hand, I think there probably is a coterie of bi people that feel there is an aspect of their sexuality that isn't satisfied because it's quite broad and they they take a choice to you know kind of shut things down because they want to be with somebody if they choose to be monogamous but probably the the palette of what they are interested in doing is probably broader than a lot of other people's you two are both in monogamous relationships as i understand it i've been in and out of i've been have monogamy but i've also been in a situation where i've had an open relationship all this kind of thing and um yeah, I don't know how I feel about it really, because I again you were talking about fluidity there, but I think your your need or your desire for that sort of stability of monogamy, as it were, changes throughout life. And also, I think it's um, different when it comes to sex and you know, sort of affection and all that kind of thing. Do you see what I mean? It's a, it's a very complex mix, isn't it? Really, I think the problem for me is that I feel as though people generally can't have this conversation they cannot have this general conversation uh and and sort of live freely the way they they, they want to be um lewis yeah I'm, it's a hard conversation to, to to have right and you know i have um in the past had a relationship where we had a period of trying out non-monogamy and it, it really didn't work for me and you know that was my experience of like try it oh god no um and and that's probably why i'm keen on monogamy now um but i would say um what, what was your problem there Lewis? Were, were you were you one of these people who got a bit bit jealous no <laughs> I, no i quite liked it at the time but it it just i mean how much can i get into about giving up someone else's privacy um i would say i wasn't the one that didn't want to stop the non-monogamy thing but then when it did then then it became an issue it was, it was more sort of afterwards that it became this big thing that had happened um rather than at the time yeah um yeah, yeah. it's a weird one um but i will say um you know so i do get that now obviously um and, uh, about um you know how can you possibly just be happy with one gender you're bisexual blah blah, blah. Um, and i always turn the tables on them i'm like so you're straight so did your hormones like turn off when you married your wife like do you do you not see other attractive women walking the street like it's the same thing for me and you know it's just that i've learned you know the love and the stability of my relationship is more important to me than some cheap orgasm with a stranger um personally yeah not well, for everyone in a, moment, in a moment we're going to be talking to somebody who's, who's done some uh, research and studying into the whole area of of how bisexual people are, are seen when it comes to sex and promiscuity and all that kind of thing but Nikki, you know, what, what's your story like in terms of this? I mean, you're obviously in a situation now whereby you're in a monogamous uh, relationship, but have mm. you been through that kind of phase where you've had sort of open relationships and things like that? Have you, have you played with that idea or, you know, and how have you found it? Yeah, well, I sort of have been in a weird position with it because obviously I used to be a dominatrix and then effectively I was having lots of different micro relationships with people at the same time. I wasn't dating anyone at the beginning of the sex work that I was doing but towards the end I was and so they had to come to terms with the fact that they weren't the only person I was being sexual with if that makes sense in my head I didn't really see it as non-monogamy but I guess it was a strain of it but because these people were clients and not uh you know kind of like personal lovers that I'd chosen it really meant it was a different dynamic and I had a different relationship to them and to my desire, because I didn't have desire for them. So it didn't, you know, well, okay, sometimes I did, but not very much. So that makes it a bit more complicated. In recent times since then, I have 
tried to be with people in a non-monogamous way. It's never really worked for me because I'm a person that needs security. I was brought up in a family of lots of divorce, lots of cheating. So for me, I need the thing that we didn't have at home, if that makes sense. Um, I need the bedrock and I'm happiest in a monogamous relationship. And that doesn't mean that I don't fantasize about other people or that you know we don't watch porn together or there's a bunch of other stuff that, you know, like I said, we went to a nudist beach on holiday and it was brilliant, it was super fun. Um, but I think there are all these little peripheral things that we can do that sort of give us the fix, if that makes sense, without crossing that line. And then that, for me, is a happy place to be. Fantastic. Well, I want to come back to you and Lewis and talk a bit more, in a bit more detail about your your personal sex lives later on. So uh, <laughs> um, watch out. There's some, some key questions. You can always obviously turn the tables on me later as well. Uh, but um, we're joined uh, now by Alan Ziveny, who... Uh, has done some research over time into bisexuality and uh, promiscuity. And um, so we've decided to devote the whole podcast this time, uh, because it's Bisexual Awareness um, uh, Week, Month, Day, next week, um, to uh, the issue of bisexuality and sex, because it feels to us that basically we spend a lot of our time apologising for being bisexual and to actually having the word sex in the middle of it, that um, everyone's always saying, Oh, uh, oh! You know, everybody. People who are bisexual. They can be monogamous, you know. Um, or they are. <laughs> most of them are monogamous, you know. Um, and and we've decided actually, no, we don't want. You know, yes, people are monogamous, but people who are bisexual have sex like gay people do and straight people do. And you know, there's probably just as many promiscuous people who are who are, who are gay and straight as well as as well as bisexuals. Um, tell us a little bit about um, what you what you've done in this area in the past, and and start, try and paint a picture of what you discovered, what you found. Okay, so, hey, Ashley, first of all, thanks uh, for having me. Uh, hi, Nikki. Hi, Louis. Uh, so, I'm uh, a long-time activist in the Israeli LGBT community, uh, but I also did some research into bisexual stereotypes. So, I had one study about uh, stereotypes of bisexual men, another study complementary about uh, stereotypes of bisexual women. So generally speaking, what I did was to kind of ask heterosexual people, what do they think about bisexuals? Uh, so imagine you going into a website uh, and kind of reading a story about, okay, you have this person and they're going on a date and uh, they've been being asked all these kind of questions. And one of the questions is, uh, let's say you have a date between two guys and one guy is asking the other, have you ever been attracted to women, right? So one guy, one group would get a guy who says, no, actually I'm gay. And the other group would get, uh, yes, actually I'm bisexual. So that kind of way you can kind of play around with uh, different participants uh, we'll get different uh, uh, characters to evaluate. And then based on kind of really brief interaction between the two characters, uh, participants would have to evaluate uh, the, the one of the characters. And generally speaking, what we find is that, uh, unsurprising, right, for bisexual people, is that both bisexual men and bisexual women were consistently evaluated as being confused, and indecisive and uh, promiscuous, uh, non-monogamous, not in the sense that, uh, just in the sense that they're unable to be in a monogamy, right? So that's generally speaking, I have loads, I can talk about it for ages, but that's generally speaking, like what the studies were about. Tell, do tell us a little bit more, and we'll, then we'll dive in with some questions. Tell us a little bit more, a bit more about the the detail if you can. Right, so uh, for me the basic question of whether there are or aren't bisexual stereotypes was, uh, uh, that was a given, right? That's because being bisexual uh, myself, it was obvious to me that there are bisexual stereotypes. So the, the uh, main thing that uh, interested me was the relationship between how familiar people are with uh, bisexuality and bisexual stereotypes and uh, how inclined they are to actually uh, use these stereotypes when evaluating people. 
So you have this uh, social psychology theory, uh, basically that's like a, a learning theory of stereotypes. It basically is saying, uh, if you want to have stereotypes about a specific group, you, you have to be familiar with them. Right? And that kind of makes sense. If I ask you about uh, a people that you haven't even heard of and ask you, okay, what are the stereotypes about these people? You'll just say you, you don't know when you don't have any stereotypes about them. But with bisexuals, you have a really uh, interesting and kind of paradoxical situation where people who are completely unfamiliar with bisexuals will still have very specific stereotypes about bisexuals. So before I even started the study, what I would do, I would ask uh, friends, uh, I would ask them, what do you think is the stereotypes about bisexuality? And they would consistently say, oh, I actually didn't even know that there are stereotypes about bisexuality. But then they would, in the same sentence, says, say something like, uh, but I do think that a lot of bisexual people are actually closeted gay and lesbians, right? So they would say that they don't know any stereotypes, but at the same time, they would profess to believe that the stereotypes are true. So the uh, second point of the study was to really show this really kind of unique relationship that the more the less familiar people are with bisexuals, the more likely that they are to believe that bisexual stereotypes are actually real. So, Alan, I wanted to know, where do you think these stereotypes have actually come from? That's a great question. That's like basically the ultimate question. My theory is basically that uh, this is not something that's learned, right? Because we all know that bisexuals are... An, an invisible sexual minority. We're not really on TV, we're not really in movies, we're not really in LGBT politics. What our theory was is that basically these stereotypes are kind of deduced, right? That people are kind of thinking, okay, let's think about gender. And people think of men and women as opposites, right? We have this saying, opposite sexes. Now, that's uh, maybe a useful metaphor, but it's not actually true, right? Men are not the opposites of women. Uh, penises are not the opposites of vaginas. Uh, uh, y chromosome is not the opposite of X chromosome. But because we have this metaphor, uh, we also have this image of, okay, so uh, heterosexuality and homosexuality are opposite attractions. And if you follow that logic, what about bisexuals? So bisexuals have to be people with opposite attractions, right? So it means that you have two opposing attractions to two different ends of the spectrum. Uh, but then what would happen with someone who has two opposing attractions? Obviously, they'll be conflicted, right? Because you're kind of attracted to two different uh, uh, sides. Uh, you're going to be confused, maybe. So uh, our theory was that a lot of these stereotypes are not really learned uh, because you kind of know promiscuous bisexual people or confused bisexual people. They're merely just a, a kind of a, a logical conclusion from a flawed understanding of gender and uh, uh, what sexuality is. That's fascinating. And I... I suppose ever, all of us, as much as we think, especially if we believe in equality, think there's little difference between us. We do pit ourselves against each other, don't we? So that makes a lot of sense that people have kind of inferred that divide. Right. The, this this idea of like the gender binary, right? It's been with us since forever and ever in our culture. Uh, and again, it's, it's very useful uh, as a metaphor, but people are kind of overly committed committed to that, right? So people kind of imagine that heterosexuality and homosexuality are complete opposites. But I think that for a lot of bisexual people, that's really not the case. It's not that, uh, at least for me, I can say that I don't feel that attraction to men and attraction to women are conflicted in any way. I think, I just think that gender identity is one specific aspect out of 
a lot of different aspects that I might or might not care about, right? Specifically for me, I just don't care really about uh, the gender identity of my partner at the specific moment or their genitalia, for example. But for heterosexual people and for uh, uh, gay people, that might matter much. But I think that for bisexual, it's just not the way that we experience, like a lot of us at least, not the way we experience things. So I, I think what you're saying is basically we, we, we mess with straight and gay people's norms, right? Um, and one of the things that, you know, bisexuals have kind of been painted with over the centuries is, is you know, that we're promiscuous in some mm -hmm. ways. And I wonder, is there more to it that we, because we exist sometimes in a straight world and in a gay world, and sometimes we carry over culture that doesn't mix. So to give you an example of that, you know, when I was in a relationship with a man, there were certain things that were okay that were not okay when I then went over to dating women. So I'm thinking of, um, you know, female friends that would, you know, come in and want to cuddle in bed that, you know, gay men didn't really care about that. But then if you're dating a girl and, she's, and you say, oh yeah, I've just got my friend in my bed and she, we're just watching a film and that. And I wonder if sometimes not being aware of the different cultures or just not clocking anymore that, oh, actually when I was dating a guy, this was okay, but now I'm dating a girl, it's, it's different and vice versa. If, if just because we don't really conform to their norms or we're always switching between the two, whether that impacts how people see us as well. Interesting. Um, I generally think that this, uh, there's like a lot of anxiety from both gay people, lesbians, and uh, uh, straight people about bisexual people, right? I listened to uh, uh, some of your previous episodes and like you raised this point about uh, both gay, lesbian, and straight people not wanting to date bisexuals. And I had that experience myself that people would tell me, oh, I would never date, like a straight woman would say, I would never date a bisexual guy, right? And when I kind of pressed this person like why, why that is, uh, eventually what we came to is that she felt that it's unfair of me to expect her to be both feminine enough and masculine enough to keep me in line, right? So she kind of imagines that uh, if she's feminine enough, she can keep me from not straying and not being, uh, uh, not, uh, uh, cheating on her with other women, but she feels, oh, I, I can't play in that game to be both man and woman, right? So there's this uh, uh, a little bit irrational anxiety and just misunderstanding of how bisexuals actually experience things. Now, it might be that, uh, you know, especially when we kind of communicate with uh, heterosexual people after we've been uh, exposed to queer community, right, queer society that, uh, yeah, we, we might not know what's the norms that are expected of us because uh, LGBT community, queer community is a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more uh, free. And then when you go from there to like a more heteronormative <laughs> society, they might bit be a little bit of a sh in a shock of what we expect in a in a relationship or what we agree to in a relationship that's certainly what i found in, in my experience of dating was you know there, there were just times where i was like oh i'm not cheating i'm not being promiscuous i just this never used to be an issue or or, or that kind of thing so i wonder if a lot of bisexuals because you know we don't all have the opportunity to talk with other bisexuals like this sometimes fall into fall into that um and i loved what you said about um you know, certain women or men saying, you know, you can't expect me to be all of these things. You would not believe the amount of people that I dated in the past. I had to be like, you know, believe in yourself. You are enough for me, honestly, <laughs> like, <laughs> believe. Right, I think, I think it's just a, a misconception that uh, just because of this idea of the gender binary, that people think that, oh, bisexual people have like, opposing attractions so if if that's if that's your idea of gender if that's your idea of bisexuality then 
it's a really logical conclusion to to follow that okay so if uh, uh, your attraction to women is ex exactly opposite to your attraction to men, then obviously uh, being with a woman is means that you miss out on being with a man and vice versa. But we don't think of uh, blondes as being opposite to brunettes. We don't think of extroverted people to be as opposite to introverted people, right? We always, in every relationship we have, we're at least, you know, monogamous relationships and also polyamorous relationships, when we're committing to one person, we are making a, a lot of compromises and we are saying to that person, okay, I, I choose you over other people. It doesn't mean I'm not attracted to other people. It just means that I'm choosing to be with you. I'm choosing to spend my time in life with you. Uh, but yeah, because, because gender binary is uh, perceived as such a, a, a deep rooted uh, uh, divide in society, uh, straight and gay people just don't believe us, I think, sometimes when we say, yeah, you're, you're enough. I, I, I'm, I'm in love with you. I don't need anyone else. Yeah. Now, let's get back to the sex, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about monogamy far too much <laughs> for, for my liking. Start <laughs> off talking about promiscuity now. We're talking about monogamy again. Um, no, no. Ser seriously, though, uh, yeah, obviously, there are lots of people who are monogamous and happy with that, and that's not an issue. Yeah. But there is a perception, like we've said already, that, that people who are bisexual are more promiscuous. Um, now, I'm wondering if there is a little bit of truth in this. I don't necessarily mean that we're more likely to uh, have, um, you know, orgies and threesomes and all these various different things than, than gay people or straight people are. But I wonder, because just, just because of the fact that we are able to see the broad spectrum of possibilities, as it were, you know, the fact that in a way, I suppose, we, we, we could be perceived sometimes as being more creative, more adventurous. Um, we understand the nuances of, of, of attraction on each on, on, on all the different sides that of gender and sexuality. We get it. We understand it. You know what I mean? We're, we're in a unique position, aren't we? So I'm wondering if, if that, to an extent, plays into the whole trope about uh, being promiscuous. Alan, I'll bring you in a, in a second, but... I'm very interested to know what Nikki thinks about that point because Nikki's got mm. a, a wide experience of, of these matters. <laughs> I hope that doesn't sound too rude, Nikki, but uh, over to you. So tell me what you think to that. <laughs> well, I've often thought that straight people in particular are just jealous of bisexuals. They're jealous not only of the opportunities that they perceive them to have, whether they have them or not, but they're jealous of the amount of emotional intelligence they have about desire and relationships and attraction. That's always been my feeling that people just realize that, that bisexual people get to ex potentially experience a lot more than people that are straight do, for example. I'm not saying this plays out with lesbians and gay people, but it definitely plays out, I think, with straight people. So I think there's definitely an element of jealousy and then that is what's turned against bisexuals. And do you think we are more adventurous though, to some, some extent? Yeah, well, I'm difficult. I'm a difficult case because I'm definitely more adventurous. Than I definitely have been, you know, some of the wild stuff I've done. I mean, I'm that's why I'm monogamous because I exhausted myself. <laughs> so, so <laughs> you know, I feel like you know I'm happy with the one person now because I've just you know seen the world basically. But yeah, I do think I think we're more curious, and I think there's quite a lot of academic research to back that up, isn't there? What do you think, Alan? Are you uh, are you one of these adventurous bisexuals? Oh, I'm I'm the most boring bisexual you'll ever find. <laughs> but but I, I will say this that I think it's it's not a matter of that we're inherently more adventurous as such, but more that once you allow yourself to be outside uh, the norm in one aspect of society, you allow yourself to be outside the norm in other aspects of society. So once we understood that we're rejected and kind of looked down upon because of our sexuality, we, we have no commitment to keep, to toe the line and keep uh, 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 the other norms that we're being expected from. Uh, and then I, I, what I, I see from queer people, and that's bisexual people and lesbians and gays and transgender people, is that we allow ourselves to question a lot more things. Right, so for example, I've been to the Trans Pride Parade, uh, uh, it was in London uh, about uh, 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 last week. 
and you you'll see people from all different spectrums of kind of alternative cultures right you'll see punk and you'll see rock and you see metal and you see hippies uh and and drag queens and that's that's not uh, uh because transgender people are somehow special it's just because that once you go outside what is being expected you kind of allow yourself to ask okay why why shouldn't i be free to do whatever i want so i think that that's the case with bisexual people as well that once we allow ourselves we know that we're already not part of the norm why why shouldn't we do what we feel like why shouldn't we be polyamorous if we want to why shouldn't we be be uh more gender fluid if we want to i can tell you about myself that even though i'm very boring and very monogamous right uh my relationship is definitely not heteronormative in the regular sense i remember i uh, listened to a few of your previous episodes and uh you kind of uh some of the discussion was about how like a same sex relationship was uh quote unquote uh, a, a homosexual relationship and a different sex relationship was a heterosexual relationship so in my relationship i never experienced it as a heterosexual relationship even if uh i'm with a woman because i'm bisexual and i bring to the table a lot of gender fluidity that would not be accepted in a regular heterosexual uh relationship sounds intriguing we 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 want to know more from from you alan about your uh, your sex your intimate we want to know the intimacy of your sex life but before we do Let's find out a little bit more about Lewis. Um, Lewis, do you think you're uh, you're adventurous? Well, I, I don't think adventurous is the right word. I mean, yes, for the record. Um, but what I will say is, I think um, with bisexuals, it's just a whole different perspective, right? And I'm obviously talking from my experience. But if you're straight, it's like straight people have only read this book, and gay people have only read this book. It's like we've read both books. Um, Uh, to kind of put it in the simplest terms like i 100% think that having sex with men made me better at having sex with women i can't tell you the amount of times i was there being choked up against the wardrobe like i'm going to steal the smooth um you know what i mean there there are so many so many different times where i've been having sex with guys i'm like this is great like lock that in for next time and so and you know what's really weird is that talking to people that have actually had sex with bisexual men there is actually a stereotype that bisexual men are better in bed and i'm like oh god why can't that be the stereotype everyone knows why is it all this promiscuity and all this stuff so it's not so much that i think we're more adventurous it's just like well we we have this whole different perspective like i know what it feels like to be penetrated um whereas a lot of guys don't it's like well actually i know what really hurt <laughs> so i'm not going to do that so i think it's just a different perspective that we can bring to different things and you know knowing the way a woman wants to be touched and then taking that kind of intimacy to to a male that might not have experienced that i think i think there's just a, a, it's just a different perspective it's not so much that i'm more driven or any less driven than a gay or a straight person it's just i have this whole other perspective on it that straight men and gay men are not going to have got from either their own experience of watching porn which is pretty much what they got right Absolutely. I mean that's really that's really interesting Lewis, what you say that. Um and that brings me on to, I want to go around everybody now and find out what lessons they've learned from each uh, each of the different having sex with different genders. Nikki, have you have you taken anything from either side and sort of mixed it up a bit? Tell us more. Yeah, definitely. I like what Alan said about um not feeling that he's in a heteronormative relationship. Um because I definitely have that with my partner who's male and would identify as straight. I I don't really see him as straight actually. I think he's got quite a lot of queer energy and that's why we get on so well. Um it's not for me to give him a label, but he, he's definitely got queer energy and I think he would identify I think he would agree with that with me. And so for me, if he'd been a kind of like super straight guy, I don't think it would work. I think it does work because there's that element to it. And the other thing is that when I first started not dating women but sleeping with women, which is diff- was different, um i basically acted like a bloke and i used to be kind of really predatory and uh i i kind of i would sort of buy somebody a drink and then be watching the clock and thinking like how many more drinks do i need to get them before we can go home and i it, it was a thought that i would never ever ever have had if i'd been with a man in a heterosexual dynamic so what was more curious for me was my sexism that i had initially and that i had to unlearn it was so fascinating and i think that really gave me an an extra perspective on maybe how men have viewed me in the past and dated me so yeah it's quite meta but 
<laughs> it's quite complex, but I think it's definitely improved my my judgment of people's roles or not, as the case may be. Alan, um, is that what Nikki's been saying there and what Lewis has said there? Is that, and, and you've started off the discussion on this, of course. Is that something that you found from other bisexual people that you've spoken to when you've uh, uh, done, done, re done research? So generally my research was uh, easier because I didn't... I didn't have to find uh, bisexual participants. You had a, a previous uh, guest talking about their research. I, I simply put the spotlight on heterosexuals and, and asked them to give uh, prejudicial evaluations of bisexuals. So I had, I had it easy that way. <laughs> but uh, I've, been, I've been an activist in the bisexual community for quite a while. So uh, I, I think, yeah, I think that this uh, experience of... Uh, what you might call like gender gender fluidity or like uh, uh, kind of undermining gender roles is something that's quite common for bisexual people that uh, we kind of don't give in to to what is traditionally expected of us and I think that's for me was uh, one of the most important things in my relationships that like once I was in a relationship with a guy there were no gender roles. I, I didn't have to kind of uh, fit myself into this position of being the guy in the relationship. And that taught me a lot about what I can expect from other relationships. And I think that's something that heterosexual people often uh, don't even know about, that, that that's even a possibility to negotiate gender roles in such a way that they'll be a little bit more free both uh, in in the bedroom and inside the bedroom, uh, that that's definitely something that I know from like the people around me uh, 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 that are uh, uh, bisexual relative to heterosexual, and also I think relative to to people who are who are gay. I would say that uh, regarding like the uh, this stereotype of uh, promiscuity and whether there's any truth in it, uh, that. That's, that's an interesting element that sometimes bisexual people will kind of stand on their hind feet and say, no, we're actually monogamous, we're actually not promiscuous. And that kind of paints people who are bisexual and promiscuous in a bad light, like as, as if it's a bad thing to be a promiscuous bisexual, as if it's like affirming the stereotype and that's somehow not okay. And I think the the real problem with like the stereotype of promiscuity is not just the behavior, it's what underlies it, is that uh, people think that bisexuals are incapable of being in a monogamous relationship if they so wish, right? That this idea of promiscuity and bisexual is kind of dehumanizing. It's kind of like saying, oh, you have to be with both men and women, people of different genders, because you simply have no self-control, right? That's why kind of straight men creepily will uh, uh, advance on, on uh, bisexual women and always offer them threesomes because, oh, of course you would want a threesome. Why wouldn't you want a threesome? You're a bisexual person. You always want to have sex with both men and women. And that's a very uh, uh, dehumanizing idea relative to the reality which is some of us are monogamous, some of us are more promiscuous, some of us are polyamorous and either promiscuous or not promiscuous. Uh, and we, we, we come in the whole, the whole range and we don't really need to fit with either the stereotype or, or the opposite of the stereotype. I would have thought in a way, um, because there aren't many outlets, as it were, for bisexuality in the sense that we have to navigate uh, the straight and, and gay world, as it were, that actually, in some respects, can negate against us being uh, that promiscuous, even if we want to be, because the environment that we might feel most comfortable in isn't really there. Do you, do you, know, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's this uh, famous uh, Woody Allen saying that uh, bisexuals are people who have uh, twice the chances of getting a date, right? But uh, that doesn't take into the account that many heterosexuals don't want to date us and many gays and lesbians don't want to date us. I have a friend who went on a date. She's a woman. She went on a date with another woman. Uh, first date, 
mentioning she mentioned she's bisexual uh her her, her date just stood up <laughs> went away from the coffee shop immediately because for her dating a bisexual woman was completely unacceptable right so yeah we we, we do have uh, a lot of uh, uh prejudice levied against us would we have to uh negotiate i guess i i know plenty of bisexual people that for at least for one night stands might not uh mention that they're bisexual because they don't want to deal with uh i'm sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to say it to deal with the bullshit <laughs> um that is levied against them uh by non-bisexual people right yeah, absolutely. No, it's all right. You can say bullshit. It's, it's way into the podcast anyway. <laughs> the, 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 the people who are really, really into this will be, uh, will be, will be able to cope with the, with the bullshit. <laughs> we need to make bisexual brunch mandatory in schools and part of the academic agenda. Oh, definitely, definitely. What you're doing here is really, is really brilliant. I'm really happy that you're starting this. And I think that's, that's exactly the kind of thing that we need. The more bisexual representation, the more common it is, the more available it is, it, it, it'll just wash a lot of the ignorance away. Now, obviously, some of the uh, prejudice towards bisexuals is not just ignorance. There's also just plain old biphobia and plain old homophobia and, and stuff like that. But I really do believe that a lot of the prejudice towards bisexuals is is simply just ignorance, that once people listen and and hear and see uh, a real living bisexual people they'll just they'll just see how silly some of their opinions are absolutely absolutely alan it's been lovely uh, to talk to you i'm sure we'll get to talk to you again at some point in the future do keep in touch but i need to get rid of you now because i want to ask some really really intimate questions of nikki and lewis you see i hope they're prepared for what i'm about to ask them in a moment um <laughs> <laughs> tune in uh, when the show goes out just to just to find out what I asked them. But uh, yeah, I've decided awesome. that basically it's a, it's a program about sex, so no old barred, really, basically. Obviously, they can turn the tables on me, so it'll be quite interesting to see uh, see what the, what the outcome is in a few moments' time. But uh, Alan, thank you very much yeah. indeed. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. So, um, yeah, I mean, lovely to talk to Alan, wasn't it? He nice, seems a nice chap. And um, I didn't realise he was bisexual, actually, until uh, until he revealed that as well. I just thought he was being researched into bisexuality. But it was nice to hear his own personal perspective. We got into discussion there about monogamy. We went back to promiscuity and all the rest of it. But I do want to bring it back straight back to sex now, because I'm really interested to know how adventurous my two... Um, co-presenters on this show are really so i'm actually asking some very direct questions are you uh, are you ready for this guys you ready for this nikki yeah i'm game <laughs> what about you Always. what about you lewis we'll, we'll we'll see what comes up <laughs> i think we're all like sort of locked down in certain things so i'm sure our partners are all sort of listening through the wall with a cup so <laughs> <laughs> okay okay right well here goes then here goes then nikki have you ever engaged in an orgy? Depends how you define orgy. I mean, somebody else called it swinging, but it was an orgy. And did you enjoy it? Not really. It was a bit boring, actually. Um, <laughs> that's going to sound really weird, but once you've seen one cock, you've seen them all. Is kind of my mentality. <laughs> and was it, so, was, was, it, was, it, was, it, was it a heterosexual orgy? A bisexual it was orgy? mixed. It was mixed. But basically, this guy, to tell, to tell the story really quickly... This guy that I met on a dating website met me in a pub after I'd been on a date with another guy that went terribly wrong. He took advantage of the fact that I was feeling a bit miserable oh. and managed to sort of persuade me to go back to his, where he showed me his triple bed. Like, he had a bed that was made for three people. Oh, um, <laughs> like, specially, specially made bed. And then he said, hey, why don't we go on the swinging website and we'll be a couple and first we'll get over somebody and then we'll get some more people over as the night goes on. So we ended up ordering in about six different couples. Oh. Um, oh, and I was knackered. He made me breakfast at the end of it. And I was absolutely knackered with a hangover from hell and just thought, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I think I've suggested that to my partner. he just say, I'd, I'd rather a cup of tea. <laughs> it's not worth it, Ash. No, it's not worth no, it's not. it. So, Lewis, um, same, qu same question to you. Have you uh, ever been involved in, a, in an orgy? In an orgy, no, and it's one of it's the one thing that makes me truly sad. I wish <laughs> I had that story. I just 
don't. I couldn't organise enough people. <laughs> it, it's not that I wouldn't have done it. Well, you've never been there. Never been there. Well, um, you're 29 now, aren't you? Is that right? Yes, I am getting older. Ah, well, you, well, well, it's something you and your partner should try before you're 30, maybe. You never know. Um, <laughs> so that's orgies then. What about, um, oh, you can turn the table on me if you want to. Um, oh, you're Ash. Tell, tell us. <laughs> you can't ask a question that you don't answer yourself. No, I suppose I have in, in sort of, um, in a way, in, in probably sort of gay sauna kind of situations kind of thing. But again, like you say, Nikki, just terribly, terribly disappointing, really. You know, all these things have all these things have great promise, don't they? But actually, in reality, and, and usually in that situation, it would be very early hours of the morning after a night out, a nightclub. You know, you feel absolutely shattered anyway. Um, so you don't really, you can't really perform in any way, shape, or form. So yeah, my yeah, I think it's one of these things where. You know, like a lot of things, really. You know, the the the, the thought of it is better than the actual um, the, the the fact, don't you think, Nikki? Yeah, the fantasy is better than the reality, in my experience. Yeah, absolutely. So on to another one then. Um, orgies to one side, but you know, have you either of you experienced in different ways with threesomes, Lewis? Oh yeah, I, there was a time I didn't understand why people just had sex with one other person. It just seemed a bit boring. After a while, it was like, why, why wouldn't you have more people? It's less work for you. It's great. Um, I will say the interesting thing is it was it was only ever threesomes with two girls or two guys. For some reason, there was something in my head that just didn't transmute to wanting to have a girl and a guy. I felt like, I, I don't know, this is not me being a bad person. It's just those are very different energies that in my head were better kept separate. Um, but yeah, threesomes, good old days. That's really interesting because I think the ultimate for me, and it's never happened, would be um, a man and a woman. Um, but it has never, it's just ne I've never managed to get to that situation. What about, what about you, Nikki, when it comes to threesomes? Oh, yes, but, <laughs> again, <laughs> it was a situation where I was meant to be the, the guy's date, but I preferred the woman that was a friend of mine that I had wanted to sleep with for a long time. So we ended up having a threesome together. And then those two basically went off together and left me out. <laughs> that's me right yeah same situation with me not in terms of um, uh, it was it was two um two men whereby i was in a situation where i was very much into one person and i wasn't really into the other one there's always somebody gets left out i mean I, we, we did our best to keep the other guy happy but it was, it was quite it's quite difficult but so so yeah it's, it's that complex mix isn't it of you know this is where you know the whole if, if the if the if the if the ugly, you know, uh, word of jealousy is going to come out, it's in that kind of situation, isn't it? Really, you you've know? got to have you've got to have a strong sense of self-esteem, I think, because you've got to be prepared that you might be the le the least attractive of the three as well, <laughs> according to them. Even if you think you're hot, so that's always something you've got to contend with. Now, of course, we're in the mode now of lockdown and the situation where people aren't able to meet as much and and last sort of I don't know, 10, 15 years. There's been a lot of focus on the internet and meeting people on the internet and all the rest of it. And one of the big things that's emerged, of course, is people having webcams and sex on, you know, sex cams and all that kind of thing. Is that something, Lewis, that you've um, you've uh, indulged in? You don't have to answer this question if you don't want to. I, I, I promise that none, none of us have to answer this question if you don't want to. But Lewis, what what do you make? Of, what you know? What do you make of webcams? Um, I, I haven't done it. I mean, this, this, these questions are making me sound awfully vanilla, which I never thought I was. <laughs> um, but, but, no, webcam, no, I haven't. Um, there was like a, a thing where we were on camera once with, with like friends and it was like, do this, do that. But that was like back in uni and everything was going. That, that's probably my only claim to webcam, but that wasn't really webcam, I wouldn't say. Um... Yeah, no, not really. Does it interest you? Um, I dare say back in the day, the right situation, the right level of alcohol, sure. Um, but I, I don't think it's one of those things. There are certain things where I'm like, I'm going to regret that I didn't do that. That's not one of them. You wouldn't consider it with your partner? No, we're quite chill. We, we, we like having a what we're doing. It's working. It's good. <laughs> it's four, four and a half years and we're not bored, so that's good. I'm making, I'm making, we're making Lewis all coy tonight, aren't we? Um, uh, Nikki, what about you? What do you think about? Well, you've written about these things. What do you uh, have? You have you tried them out yourself? 
Uh, yes, I have, but I prefer phone sex, personally. It's just easier to concentrate. There's too much going on technologically as well as physically with the old cabbing for me. So, and I've got a good imagination, so yeah, phone sex every time. And there is something about people's voices as well, actually, isn't of there? Of course. Yeah. Well, we're, we're podcasters. We love yeah. talking and listening. So, yeah, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Well, I, I have I have tried it a few times. But again, you're right. It's just the whole thing of technology. And if you get, if, there's, if the connection goes down at the wrong moment, <laughs> I mean, I you know, it's just that your night's ruined. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So you're, we're all in partnerships. We're all in, uh, you know, part relationships whereby we've all got different experiences and things. How adventures would you say Nikki you are with your partner that's a really good question um at the minute pretty boring okay I think that's because we've hit four and a half years and we're really comfortable getting married but yeah. I'm sure that's going to spin around I mean we did go to the nudist beach so I thought that was yeah, quite yeah. exciting and we had to hike to it yeah. probably it, it's all relative isn't it so I've had a pretty wild life I've been a dom I've done a bunch of things I used to cover the porn industry for the Guardian in LA you know I sort of feel like I've seen the limits of the sex that you can have and I'm not that yeah. interested so I've kind of come back to the yeah middle. after a while it does get a bit boring actually yeah. to be fair. I'd yeah. rather just have sex with someone I love that sounds radical and hideous <laughs> but yeah it's true what, what what about you Lewis how adventurous have you been or how adventurous would you like to be I mean you're not going to have time now because you've got a, a baby on the way well, I mean, my partner's pregnant, so that's been a change. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like Nikki, you know, it's like, like I've had all kinds of random sexual experiences and I've done loads of things. So it's kind of like, you know, I've had all that. Um, and, you know, I'm just having sex with someone I love and it's amazing. It's fulfilling. and it's It's a whole different level to, you know, hookups with strangers and all the, all the stuff I used to get up to. The fact that now it's, you know, it means something and we know each other's bodies more after four years and we know those kind of things. I, I honestly don't really think about anything I'm missing out on anymore, really. The whole thing about, whoa, you know, sex, you know, rampant sex here and there, everywhere. And, uh, you know, you meet somebody and you, you know, you end up having, you know, just great, fantastic sex because it's, you know, it's all apart an urge and all the rest of it. It's brilliant, but um, the one thing, of course, you don't get until you're in a proper relationship for a long time is that extra thing, which is the whole thing of not sexuality, but sensuality and the affection and all that kind of thing. And that is so important, isn't it? You know, that is probably in a way, actually, now we are sounding boring now. I'm sounding very middle-aged. Uh, but that is, Nikki, what do you think, is, is the important part of relationship, isn't it, really? Yeah, of course. And that kind of like really hot passion you have for somebody isn't sustainable anyway. It's just not, it's all chemical. And the chemicals are designed to kind of filter down so that you can get on and have a baby with them or be settled with them or, you know, do something else. So um, I don't even worry about it, you know. We're all very together people, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a question for the group. Cool. So do you think that the technology has ruined sex a bit? And I say this for a couple of weeks. So like, I've definitely done the nudist beach thing, which I would go every weekend if there were one in London, but there's not. Um, so you have to wait till you go on holiday. One thing I would also have done is, you know, um, GAY Late, her, no, J Heaven has like that porn idol thing where like they get people in the crowd to get up and strip off naked. I would 100% do that if it weren't for the fact people would take pictures and it would live forever. If it was just that one experience in a club, like, oh, remember that time I got naked in front of the whole crowd? I would have done that 100%. But... Now it's like everything's recorded and everything's documented. And then I do think porn addiction these days is becoming a big thing where, you, you know, people go off actual sex. You get apparently young boys now that, you know, have sex for the first time, like, oh, it's not as good as porn. Um, and they're just not bothered by it. So I do wonder, do you guys think that technology and all the things it can do is ruining sex? Um, and to be honest, again, I think it's just become, porn for me has just become very very boring what do you think nikki yeah i mean i would say that technology has been the salvation of the queer community particularly in other countries which is what we learned when we made the world service doc and it's what i learned from working for dating apps that you know grinder served a need like a very deep need for people to be able to connect in a way that they hadn't been able to do up until that point and the 90s and kind of like icq and all these chat rooms and things they were really uh, steered by the lgbtqi community so you know it's kind of like a key part of our history is that the the, uh, the influence technology has played on our sexuality and our sexual relationships with other people so i wouldn't want to take it away i think the biggest problem is that with all technological advances we get the technology before we develop the ethics to use it 
So what we're lacking is a really good ethical discussion about, and that I don't mean to be kind of like puritanical, I don't mean it like that, but we're lacking a really good ethical discussion about how to view porn, how to have bone sex, how to use cams, you know? We never have these discussions. We never talk about these things as a society. And that, for me, is the problem. It's not the technology itself. Guys, it's been fantastic to have such a no-holds-barred conversation about sex. I feel as though we've revealed everything to the world now. <laughs> Certainly, certainly, most of North America is going to be. It's going to know all about Nikki Lewis and Ashley's sex life, which is uh, it's kind of frightening in a way. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been great to talk about it because I just thought that I thought we'd we'd talk about it this week because I think it is constantly that thing that whenever we we talk about being bisexual, we're constantly sort of apologising for it, aren't we? You know what I mean? And I think it's we shouldn't have to do that, should we? Really? No, we should not. Okay, well, that's Bisexual Brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at Bisexual Brunch on Twitter. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Speak to you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Guys, I mean, I know the government advice at the moment on COVID is something like run, duck and cover, but literally in our house right now, the motto is sex, spice, and scare because that's the way we're getting this baby out. So I'm going to go do that. <laughs> get to it, Lewis. This program is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.